0: to tune up the band and we have half the brain that you do for it is another episode of the sweet chinwag podcast i am sam alongside dan and reardon as we continue for three years on our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling gentlemen happy third anniversary to the sweet chinwag podcast
1: here comes the joke again
0: terrifying isn't it
2: we have a full toddler
1: <laughs> yeah we do we beat the terrible twos
2: we beat
0: the terrible twos see looking after me you 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 two looking after me is kind of like looking after a toddler at this point
2: just being someone i right. don't know i don't think i trust
1: myself in care of a toddler but you <laughs> nah, nah. you
2: know i don't i don't want to trust myself with like toddler sam running around screaming about antonio enoki i don't need that
1: The the problem is, though, is that toddler Sam is still, like, six foot tall.
2: Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Just a huge, huge huge-ass child.
0: I did a dookie.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I did a poop in my diaper, son.
0: What? Oh, no. I said I did a dookie in my face.
2: Three years, everyone. Three years of this three wonderful and content. We, 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 we never... I feel like, I feel like we
1: in, many, in, in many ways, we never really went anywhere. No, <laughs> no, we did not.
0: But, we're still vibing. Well, uh, I so say we, vibing. We're, we're still insane. You know,
1: the Sweet oh. Chimwag, now officially longer than the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> According to the World Health Organization.
2: I mean... <laughs> that, mm when
0: you think about it that way doesn't it so <laughs>
2: well, we won't get into it I have my thoughts but we won't get into it <laughs> how have you been though this week fellas I've been all right actually yeah. I have been adequate yeah,
0: yeah been it's all... been it's been a very been interesting right. week for me've me. got a couple of things coming up I've got a couple of new clients here and there so look forward to seeing some new stuff from people soonish exciting times exciting times for me. Um <clears throat> oh, sorry. <clears throat> as well as other things of course in life which I can't reveal yet mm-hmm. because it would spoil a lot. But uh yeah <laughs> it's been it's been an interesting week. It's been a nice week yeah. actually as a matter of fact. <laughs> How have you been Dan?
1: I've been alright. Uh as people might as people might not know I've been doing my uh my jujitsu training—I injured my shoulder, which is all good. I'm fine though. Oh I am surviving.
2: I remember I did jujitsu for a bit, and then I got kicked by by I got kicked in the chest when he wasn't meant to be kicking, so he did it on purpose.
0: Yeah, I was going to say so... jujitsu
2: grappling.
1: Yeah, you're not supposed to strike, so I think that person missed the mark. <laughs>
2: So yeah, it's like just...
0: when a kid goes to a wrestling, well, goes to wrestling training over in an America and starts performing power bombs and realizes, oh wait, this ain't professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Although if I, I mean, were a kid and but, I'm I am trying mean, to b- do b- collegiate wrestling, I probably would start with a is... power slam and power bomb. <laughs>
1: this is all just feeding into my inevitable debut to the UK wrestling scene as a shooter to have one match and then disappear for the rest of history. <laughs>
2: Uh, Ah, as as you were prophesied to be.
1: Yes. (laughs) British wrestling doesn't deserve me.
0: I mean, folks, where's the (laughs) line? Where's the (laughs) line? It doesn't deserve us three. Can I just be the
1: the UK version of Bobby Fish? Can that be a gimmick?
0: (laughs) What would be the British version of Bobby Fish? Robert Salmon.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Lord Robert Salmon. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 it wouldn't be Robert Salmon. It wouldn't be Robert Salmon. Would my it'd name be
1: Robert Pesci?
2: Fair. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 it'd be Robert Cod. Robert Cod, man.
1: Oh, yeah, Rob Cod. Bob Cod. Bob Cod. <laughs> Bob Cod.
2: Bob Cod? Bob Cod.
1: I mean, folks, where's the pork pie?
2: <laughs> Let's move this on, guys. Yeah,
0: we've we given this podcast <laughs> for 3 years we have given you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud Spotify Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts and forever pending other
2: platforms for 3 years you have dealt with us being pending and for 3 years more you shall deal with it because we are always pending and exactly. always will be exactly
0: before we actually get to the news i want your guys thoughts apart of course from the fact that it's actually frightening and horrifying that we've gone three years how does it feel like how what what are your feelings and thoughts on actually reaching this milestone
1: (laughs) honestly i have no way to rationally comprehend it in my mind
2: yeah like how the hell the fact that we have managed to keep this running almost non-stop is ludicrous
1: it's nothing short of a miracle honestly non-stop in the context of we have other lives to live
2: yeah this has lasted longer than the lasted longer than the majority of my actual relationships what is this
1: this has lasted longer (laughs) this has lasted longer than basically any other project i've been involved in by like a factor of like 30.
0: he's not wrong like it's the same for me (laughs) It's insane how how this has all come about, and here's the thing, I've always said this, with every anniversary that comes about, I always was under the impression that we were always performing to the audience of ourselves, like, when we started out. I never thought anyone outside of our friendship and family group would listen, but lo and fricking behold, <laughs> <laughs> here oh, we Sam. are.
2: Oh Sam, how nice you think that my family listens to this?
0: <laughs> no, that's
2: listen, that's listen, for true. Listen, I have I have been I have told multiple friends and family about this podcast, and multiple friends and family said, I love you. I'm not listening to the podcast. How dare so how dare there you go. <laughs> they're missing the content that you good listener loyal listener have always okay actually i take that back because uh my my father is actually in the room for me he has always always respected and always loved the podcast so shout out to you dad for always supporting this podcast
0: <laughs> just with a slight nod and a, and a wink <laughs> We are doing something, I promise, Dad. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's it's crazy. It is genuinely crazy, this reach and scope we've been able to achieve through this thing. Um, it's crazy. And I'm very thankful I get to do it with two of my closest friends as well. Like, you guys are just fucking best. Thank you guys for this, honestly. It is, it is nice, isn't it? <laughs> so, it's so good. So good. Anyway let us visit Dan, shall we, for this week's wrestling news.
2: Dun, 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 dun. Oh,
0: wrestling news. Oh, 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 hell yeah.
1: Right. Um, I mean, the biggest news story, obviously, is AEW Collision. And all of it's definitely not uh, WCW Nitro branding.
0: As I said, to the person in the design team who just went, you know what? Should we just make it look like Night Monday Nitro? Give that man a pint. Actually, no. Give that man a half because I can't afford a pint.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, look, right? Whatever works works, right? <laughs> There's only so many stories you can write. <laughs> so I guess we're doing, we guess we're doing this. Either way, though, um, I mean, all looks pretty cool. I know people have been saying about like where is it going to be hosted and stuff and all of this. Um honestly it seems like no one knows. I will say the big bit out of all of this has been the the stuff about like the the announcement being delayed because apparently CM Punk really wants a steal back.
0: Yeah. What? That whole thing's been weird. Um
1: I mean, at this point, I I feel like I have no idea what's going on, nor do I particularly care.
0: No, exactly, because the original press release uh, that TNT put out actually had Punk's name in there, and then they retracted that and put out a new one that didn't have his name on there. Punk went on a bit of a tirade on Instagram for no discernible reason, other than just being a bit angry and a bit niffed, and then ended up having a go at Brian Alvarez. Um... (laughs) It's all weird. It's all silly. My point of view is, okay, we're getting the second show. Great. Now, your task for everyone involved is to justify that show actually happening for a reason. Yeah. Have a good, solid roster. Really make some unique storylines for that brand. Have a touring schedule that will rival... May even trying to beat Dynamite as well. Make it have legs, basically. And I think with the announcement of Brian Danielson being part of the team, heading up booking and creative decisions within Collision, I think they're in good hands. Because the stuff that Brian has had a hand in, in terms of creative direction, have been have been incredible. Like, we sit here, one of our earliest episodes, one of the fav- our favourite things we talked about was Kofi Mania. And Brian had a lot to do with Kofi Mania actually happening.
2: Ah, uh, Kofi Mania! Shout out to you, Kofi Mania. Also, <laughs> also, but if if we're giving Danielson that, I kind of worry for people's safety. Frankly, I'm not. Even, <laughs> I I love I love Brian Danielson. Not everyone is as hardcore as Brian Danielson, and thank God <laughs> he's not <laughs> for wrong. that. Like. <laughs> How, like, what's the over/under of this just turning into brand new and, brand that do into Brian Danielson's mortal Kombat? What is the over/under on that?
0: Oh, I would definitely say about ninety well, yeah. ten.
2: <laughs> honestly, honestly, I mean, look, when Dan- you think about Bryan, both Bryan. company,
0: both brands, Reardon being owned by the same parent company.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's a point. Why hasn't, why hasn't like Sting ended up in Mortal Kombat? It's that's the kind same of an question, right? It's, it's, it's the same, it same question everyone said
0: about why in the Kombat world 1. wasn't Ash Williams in Mortal Kombat?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, but that's like trying to figure out the fucking Gordian knot of lawsuits.
2: Oh, absolutely, the copyright on that must be. I
0: want to see Sting in Mortal Kombat One. <laughs> I With do. the announcement of the new Mortal Kombat, sting got to be one of the characters. Come on. Come on. Do it. Darby <laughs> Allen's one of his fatalities. Just throwing Darby Allen at one of the... <laughs> the
2: <laughs> end. I scorpion, imagine... A scorpion Deathlock till they rip in half. See? It's right there. Scorpion Death Drop. On Scorpion. Do it. Book it.
0: It makes so much sense.
2: Book it. Come on. Do it. <laughs> right anyway
0: collision i think has all the like as we said the worry was as if they're my all concern is are they just doing this so they can keep one person happy to make the whole roster like there's some semblance of peace within the roster um or are they going to say we have a justifiable reason we want to have we have too many cooks in the kitchen we need to split them off we need to make two different brands to give everyone a fair shot at you know tv time uh have decent matches uh titles storylines all of that stuff i want to believe the latter but with people's actions recently it's not helping me feel positive of the latter you
2: know (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like a every time I the more the more I hear about it, the more it's just a okay, alright, hey. All that being said, though,
0: there has been some good stuff that has happened recently on AEW. Like a uh, Roderick Strong brought uh, uh, brought out the second best match Chris Jericho's had in AEW, and I give yeah, I attribute that mole of it to Roderick Strong. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Like 90, I'm sorry.
1: Ninety-five percent,
0: Roddy. It absolutely wasn't 95% Rod on that one. Ricky Starks is single-handedly uh, demolishing the Bullet Club, which, you know what, is a sentence that I that I never thought I'd say, but you know what, all you fair play to Ricky Starks.
1: Don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> um, I, I came to the grim realisation that holy crap, are the Blackpool Combat Club supposed to be the bad guys? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> again, at least we're getting anarchy in the arena at double or nothing with the Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, to which, again, I will simply say, the Blackpool Combat Club are supposed to be the bad
1: guys. <laughs> I don't know, that should be a fun time.
0: I, I I will appreciate looking forward to seeing that. It won't it won't be anything like Eddie Kingston's zombie walk with a can of gasoline <laughs> side to set so Chris Jericho on fire.
1: You, I, I do love the prospect of like, uh, Claudio Giant swinging someone somewhere.
0: Yes, absolutely Preferably
1: on top of a building.
0: Oh, at least we've got Snake Plissken as well in AEW now. Sorry, Handman yeah. Page. Honest hangman. <laughs> honest hangman. My goodness. <laughs> now I want to see him come out to the es- uh, like the escape from New York theme whilst wearing the eye patch. Futuristic cowboy. I mean, that is what Snake Pliskin was. Let's be honest. I mean, Snake
2: Pliskin was a lot
0: of things.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, folks, where's the lie? <laughs>
2: a lot of it. i mean
0: in escape from la he was a master basketball player but we don't talk about the escape from la doing
2: i mean i mean real really quick my my um i actually my, my hot take is that i actually prefer i actually prefer the the rendition of the of the escape from theme in la to the original you know what that's that's I, my I, hot take
0: i agree with you on that one and i feel like a lot of people give it a lot of flack when I feel like Escape from L.A. is actually not that bad. Especially Bruce Campbell's character of the plastic surgeon. Yeah, like... It's B- It's more B-movie than Escape from New York is, and that's saying something.
2: Like, Escape, Escape from New York had Isaac Hayes as a Mad Max villain. <laughs> Just <laughs> straight true. up, like a straight up Mad Max villain.
0: Exactly. Donald Pleasance is one of the most is as the president, I think, again, was another inspired bit of casting, if you ask me. Oh yeah, let's yeah, get the guy was. who played Blowfield to be the president. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Yeah, he was, wasn't he?
0: Mm-hmm. My goodness. Again, all right, again, Lee uh Lee Van Yeah, I could go on about Escape from New York. We're not gonna go <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> We we absolutely could, but we're not going.
0: <laughs> um it all looks as well just in, in terms of uh, in terms of everything in, in regards to all in London, like they really are gonna they really are gonna sell it out at seventy five thousand. It's which is crazy. Yeah.
1: I mean what else is there to say? We this is a hungry market.
0: I think here's the thing. Even though and I think we've gone on to discussion and we've we've been very vocal about it, that the industry still has a myriad of problems about it. And I don't think... And unfortunately, that is a thing that won't ever change. But we are in a bit of an upswing. And it's nice to see wrestling in a bit of an upswing, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It is, isn't it? (laughs) It's nice to see companies thriving. It's nice to see talent have viable options to make money in two different major companies, which is, again the thing i've always said to, to have to, to have two different companies to have variety in in major promotions is a, is 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 a good thing because it gives people options yes um the independents are doing pretty darn well for themselves as well um in america um mm. <laughs> i wouldn't say much about anywhere else to be quite honest yeah and Japan's doing gangbusters as per usual. Um, so, yeah, we're in a bit of an upswing. It's nice to see it, honestly. Genuinely nice to see wrestling in an upswing. Yep, yep. It's also nice to see Wardlow in his Ron Swanson uh, fit.
1: <laughs> I've never <laughs> known a man who you could. Know what? Pop... I, I not about that, you're
0: right. I've never known a man to pull off a grey polo shirt quite like Wardlow.
1: Yeah, you can do anything when you're
0: exactly like exactly. Um, WWE wise, it's a bit weird going, What's going on over in WWE?
2: But what else is new? Yeah, exactly.
1: All I all I know about WWE is that seemingly the the bloodline are turning in on themselves, but in like a inevitable Ouroboros way and not in, like, a dramatic way.
0: Yeah. No, no, that's a, that's exactly it. It's, um... I don't know. It's a weird kind of thing of the Usos, um... Like, going into business for themselves by attacking Sammy and Kevin, despite the fact Roman didn't want them there. Roman having a go at Solo for, like, you know, just being in the way. Um... It just all paints a picture of, oh well, well this looks like it's going to be the Usos versus Roman and Solo for the tag titles. To which, (laughs) okay, okay, it's a choice, especially when you consider that man is, you know, the champion. You think he'd have better, more pressing matters at hand than to win the tag team championships, wouldn't you? No, guys.
1: The tag t- the tag titles are important now.
2: <laughs> that was a bit. That was a bit rude. That was a bit rude. Zedan. Uh... oh man.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not right, wrong, right,
1: but like, right, I, have, I have no idea what. Like the the thing I've come to accept is that quite simply WWE is not a product that is built for me. Hmm. No, like, as far as I'm far aware, things, things just fucking happen. Yeah. And that's that.
0: Yeah, well... Well, it could be worse. You know, we could have Karrion Cross versus AJ Styles next week on SmackDown. Some... Oh, wait, no, we do have that next week on SmackDown. That is
2: a H-voice. <laughs> See, the thing,
1: the thing is, there's part of me where I'm like... I don't even know if I even think that Karen Cross is bad at this point. I just find him (laughs) uninteresting.
0: No, that's (laughs) it. No, that's exactly it. Exactly it. I mean, we've got... We've still got the freaking... We've still got, like, um, freaking... So many people feeling a lot very directionless. Like, uh, uh, for example, L.A. Knight and Eric... Uh, and Rick Boogs's partnership not lasting even a week really weird I had
1: no idea they were even a thing at a point
0: Exactly we've still got Dominic being like Dominic and Ray still having a rivalry together Um yeah they're
1: doing that thing
0: It's it's an interesting one cuz I thought it, I thought we would at least I don't know. I, I I expected it to carry on. I just I didn't realize we were. It was still gonna keep going. It seems like for the long term. I thought we would be coming to a like to an, a conclusion at some point around oh, like after Mania, you know? Yeah. It could be wrapping up to a conclusion, but we'll see. I feel like the only really interesting thing going on at the moment is um. Honestly, I just think the, the really interesting, only interesting thing going on right now is kind of like the the stuff with Bianca and Oscar.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean Oscar blue misted Bianca in the face, and Bianca solved that as if she would just been uh, if she well just if she's just had something just like blind her, like the blue mist completely blind her or burn her retinas.
2: It wasn't a bad reaction.
0: I've seen worse reactions to mist to poison mist spots.
2: Yes, maybe I mean this could be another um this this could be another um jason x scenario where the blood in one of the one of the um actor's eyes accidentally got into their eyes and it actually did and it actually did hurt like hell so that scream was real who knows it is wrestling after all this is true this is true
0: my only worry and i think a lot of people's concern is about bianca's character development now at this point it's um well do they do they see her Cena Bianca by not giving her more kind of more interesting, juicy stuff to go along with, despite the fact of oh just being babyface all the time. Or do they do they do something different? Give her something more of an interesting arc in her in her story. Because here's the thing, right? You can turn people face and heel, and I think people will still be will still be invested regardless, you know? Um <laughs> I feel like no, naturally though. I think Bianca fits very well as a babyface. Just I, I'd say that. But she does have the chops to be heel because she started off as a heel. I yeah,
1: I, I forget that note. I don't think at this point having heel Bianca does anything beneficial.
0: Mm. But don't stick her in the same in the same position. I'd say as John Cena. You know, no, no, no. no. To a certain extent.
1: Don't, don't. Don't pigeonhole her. Exactly. But like, but like, I, I, I don't think Heal Bianca gives us anything beneficial. Mm-hmm. Especially like, when there's, you've got... There's better, there's better things that you can do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, apart from that, there's really not much going on. But of course, um, superstar Billy Graham passed away this week as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> The man responsible for the wrestling vernacular of "brother" being used everywhere in professional wrestling. What,
2: what, what people, a
0: legacy! It funny,
1: yeah, it was funny seeing people realize how uh, how much of his flow uh, Hogan copied.
0: I would say Hogan and Jesse Ventura, even though I would I would admittedly say that Jesse Ventura was. Was very was very forthcoming about going. Yeah, I took most of what I did from superstar Billy
2: Graham. Jesse Ventura, as always, just saying it as it is.
0: Hogan's a bastard. <laughs> he was the one that stooged me out of Vince McMahon about unionizing. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. As a former Navy SEAL, I've met with dictator. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep going, Dan. You gotta stop me.
2: Stop. Stop it. Stop yeah, here's it. Your,
1: here's, your, here's your stop now.
0: Right now. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else in the news, Dan?
1: No, that is us done with the news.
0: Awesome. Reardon, what's your recommendation corner for this week from the former well, Navy SEAL Jesse the Body Ventura?
2: First of all, my recommendation is for you to stop that immediately. Dictator. <laughs> Secondly, I have a special two recommendations. First of all, guys, how do you feel about podcasts? Brilliantly. I mean,
0: I'm in one, so... <laughs> I'm in one right Excellent. now. Holy shit.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. You're in luck, guys, because first of all, I am recommending the Behind the Bastards Episodes plural on Vince McMahon. At the time of this listening, there are two out, two out of six. For perspective, the last time that Behind the Bastards did did six episodes, it was on Henry Goddard Kissinger. <laughs> so to quote Henry Kissinger, <laughs> yeah.
0: To quote Henry Kissinger, oh, I know, I I know, I dropped my glasses in the toilet.
2: <laughs> oh. I do not recommend Henry Kissinger. No, no. In no no universe will you ever hear me say those words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I recommend it. The first two episodes have been fantastic. And it's only going to get worse from there, as they've only just. they're, They're only. They're still in his childhood. So it's crazy. It's... it's
0: crazy that they named it with the tagline "History's Greatest Monster." When you really, when you, when you think to yourself, "Hmm," I mean, they've talked about a lot of evil people, but to give it that have, tagline,
2: they have talked about, um, they have talked about Reinhardt, who I'd like to, if in case you don't know who that is, is one of the major architects of the Holocaust. No, yes. so... <laughs> like. He's in an upper level in terms of content. But yeah, I highly recommend that. On a much lighter note, I would also recommend <laughs> much, much lighter. I would also recommend the film Polite Society. Which is a fun, fun time filled with great kung fu. And one of the and perhaps one of the greatest sister fights of all time. Like, they go hard in that movie. It is a solid movie, so I do recommend seeing it. I have heard really good things about
0: it. Really good things about Mm -hmm. it. And it is a British film, if memory serves me, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, it's very British. It is. I cannot emphasize how British it is. It is very British.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Anyway, with all that being said, feathers, are we ready? to talk about the master and ruler of the world, Sid.
2: Yes. No. <laughs> Why not, Riordan? Why are we talking about this man? Do you want me to Why go back talk- to being more? Jesse
0: Ventura? Hello! Yeah. Absolutely!
2: This is twice in a row you have just upset me, Daniel. What is up? What is going on?
1: Alright, look, let me, let me, let me... Let me uh, let me preach real quick. The reason I find Sid to be such a fascinating wrestler, and I want to emphasize the reason why I'm not using the word person, <laughs> an incredibly fascinating wrestler, is because I feel like there are people out there that aren't aware of the scale of kind of wrestling accolades that Sid has been given. Mm. Because I I don't think people really, like, take in the fact that this man has been a world champion at, like, the top level.
0: <laughs> in You're right. the two biggest companies.
1: Like, this... This man has been a WW, well, WWF at the time, and WCW champion. And the thing is, is that in, whenever anyone mentions these topics, no one's ever going to bring his name up. Yeah. Except in a rare occasion, and I find it so fascinating for a wrestler, for a wrestler to be held in that high institutional regard, and yet have. Seemingly faded into the background.
0: I feel Sid... Is the perfect definition... For the word... Nomad. In the way he was... In the way that he never stayed... More than... Two years... In one company. And always drifted between one and another. But still was able in that time... Between those times... To still have... A career that could be considered to others as legendary. Yeah, that's the bit that's fascinating to me.
1: Like he, he, he really exists in like this wrestling phantom moon, which is like a world between worlds.
0: <laughs> he stands We're... truly alone. I feel in... again, it's that thing of being simultaneously good, yet, yet bad.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I have, like, in three years of this podcast, this is the first time where I feel like both of you are just playing a prank on me by talking about him like this. Oh. This is the first time. I oh, is going better. What <laughs> even better. Legitimately, I'm not making this up to anyone listening. I am sitting here going, what is my fellow, like, co-host talking about? What are you ta- What are you on about? Jeez, the more I go
0: into his history then, Riddin, the more you'd be like, you're just pulling my leg. Okay, what is this? What is this? Should we go back to the beginning? Which is always the yes. best place to start with these retrospectives. Alright, what do we got? Alright, you'll probably t- think that I'm already making this up as soon as I hit you with the opening gambit, okay? Okay. So... Okay. Born on December 1960, Sidney Raymond Ud was born in West Memphis, Arkansas. Grew up in quite a, well, as always says, quite a sporting background. When he was in college, he actually played football, um, basketball, was on the wrestling team. He He was also on the baseball team as well. He Kind of was a master of all four of them. He was considered to be a standout sporting athlete at college. But his life in professional wrestling was a fleeting interest at best. Like, he he saw it on TV every so often, but never really thought much of it. What people did, though, take notice on Sid was that this dude was huge and he was jacked.
2: Dude right. was right, That's basically what you needed
1: to make it in the business anyway. So, dude stood about six foot nine.
0: Was about.
2: What, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Six foot nine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? Six nine. About, ooh, about 260, 70 pounds. Although ring, his ring, build weight is three hundred and seventy the Tigers.
1: They need a centre. Um. But Did yes. This-
2: did he play basketball yes yes although oh, he man. although sid's, high school
0: yes sid's love and passion actually was baseball slash softball Who's...
1: imagine <sighs> a, imagine a six foot nine like two what was he say 250 or
0: 270 that's like, 260 two, two 270
2: I think six like the... nine 270 pulling up to the plate <laughs> Hang on, hang on, I need to check something out because I think Randy Johnson, who was like, "Don't ask me how I know this, but Randy Johnson was like six foot two and like one of the tallest pitchers in in n f l in and in, in um not NFL, NL, yeah, thank you in baseball history, like I know there's someone in the baseball chat who's gonna correct me on that, but he's one of the tallest, and he is dwarfed by this man. <laughs>
0: oh. So it oh. a, it's a funny story. A chance encounter with a couple of people um, sparked his interest in professional wrestling. He had a chance encounter with Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo.
2: Right. They both Brother convinced Savage. him
0: to go into wrestling. There's also another story of, of Sid. Playing softball in around the uh, the Tennessee area, and Jerry Lawler caught a glimpse of him and said to him, "Why the fuck are you playing softball?"
1: <laughs> See, this is one of those things that I'm—I don't know
0: about—is—is is there money in softball? In America, yes. As far as I'm aware, it is televised on ESPN.
2: Okay. It's... Ah, that is. That is rather interesting. I actually got to. I got to admit,
0: not as much money as baseball, but there is money yeah. to be made out of softball. Which again, I mean, Americans, sure. Americans, very you, you lot are interesting. I guess you could consider it as like Test cricket and Twenty Twenty. I guess you could say as the comparison if you want to be British.
1: Yeah,
2: right.
0: I can. Yeah. I can
1: understand that.
0: Yeah. But yes, um, after chatting with both Randy and Lanny Potho, Sid was taken under the wing and began training under the wing of one Tojo Yamamoto, who was famous around the Tennessee area as one of the uh, as one of the stalwart wrestlers in that area. Funny fact, of course, being from, <coughs> originally from uh, oh, Japanese heritage, he was born in Hawaii. Of course, when he started out, Tojo was actually considered the monster of Monster Hills because he was wrestling in the 1950s. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, We're be- coming
0: straight out of the Second World War, so it almost made sense in the Tennessee area. But the reason I bring Yamamoto up is because he was responsible for training um, Jerry Jarrett, of course, of the famed Jarrett family.
2: Oh! Uh, Put it on the board!
0: Yeah, if it weren't for Tojo, it wouldn't be- he wouldn't have trained Jerry, Jeff would never have been in the industry.
2: (laughs) We've got a full circle.
0: on the board. Oh my god, okay. There you go. One for the board. There you go everybody. (laughs) So, yeah, received training and would soon, around 1987, he started training and pretty soon after that, he was thrusted into the role of professional wrestling as most guys who are very tall and very jacked tend to usually get fast-tracked into wrestling. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: His debut match would be a tag team match as he teamed with Austin Idol to take on the team of Jerry Lawler and Nick Bockwinkle.
1: No, that's a that's that's a that's a bit of a who's who
0: yes of legendary wrestlers in America ain't it right it, to have them in your debut match but he wouldn't be billed as Sid no this was the 1980s fellas and if there was one film in in, in the 1980s that inspired wrestling so much it was Mad Max nice. and so Sid took on the persona of Lord humongous.
2: What straight up, Lord Humongous? I will yes. send
0: you a picture. He was straight
2: up, Lord Humongous. It's just okay. First of all, the man is truly jacked. He looks like he's about to bust out of that that mask. <laughs> yes. Second of the, all, uh, the peds were different back then. Yeah, but second of all, that mask looks crappy. Like, is it what is going on with that? Is his hair coming out of the mask? Yes. Yes. Okay, there it really is. Alright, just checking. Because I was <laughs> like, what is that?
0: It's he's got a mouth hole so he can breathe
2: properly, really. No, I that I understand. What I don't understand is the hair popping out oh,
0: oh, <laughs> No, off. it makes no sense, does it?
2: Some someone help this brother, please. <laughs>
0: Do you think Sid was gonna actually like shave his head just to, to just to portray? Lord no, humanity?
2: I don't. No, I don't expect that. I expect him to just stick the hair back in, at least. Yes, at the very least,
0: please. <laughs> ah, oh well. He wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be doing it too long. But of course, this being Memphis, Jerry Lawler basically took well everything from comic books and films and TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. So on Christmas Day 1987, he would win his first title, that being the NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Championship. Going on to be the very final holder of that title. Soon he would start off as a heel, of course. I mean, because if you're going to be Lord Humongous, of course, you would start off as a heel. <laughs> but would quickly turn fan favorite after rekindling a childhood friendship. With Shane Douglas. This is a kayfabe friendship, may I add. Shane yeah. and, and Sid never knew each other until their points. They would go on, though, to have success capturing the NWA Southeastern Tag Championships as well. But during this time, Sid would also catch the eye of Antonio Anoki and would make an excursion to New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: I just love how Antonio Inoki must have been just side questing, bro. He must wait, He must've! What's, what's, what's this brother doing in, <laughs> in, like, Memphis?
0: He must! He must've! Because he, one of his very first matches was challenging for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Tatsumi Fujinami.
2: I mean, honestly, at this point, I just imagine Antonio Inoki was just walking the Earth, Fist of the North Star style. He must've been. Like, Surely. it's the only explanation that makes sense.
0: So, uh, Sid would be billed under the name in Japan as
2: the Vicious Warrior. I mean, okay, accurate,
0: I guess. Exactly,
2: exactly,
0: Reardon. After a short stint in world-class championship wrestling in around 1989, this is where he would adopt one of his more notable ring names, Sid Vicious. Which, to clarify, and it is indeed true, he took... From the bass player of the Sex Pistols, there it is. <laughs> Directly took it from from Sid Vicious.
1: Hey, at least he's open about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. So this brings us to his first foray in WCW. He signed in nineteen in ninety. Uh, sorry, eighty nine. He would debut for them, retaining his name of Sid Vicious that he made in World Class. He would debut with Dan Spivey. To become the tag team known oh as the Skyscrapers, managed by Teddy Long, baby.
2: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> I now need to quickly try and find a picture of the Skyscrapers <laughs> with Teddy Long, just to give you just just
2: to give you that image, Riordan. Teddy next to them must look like a
1: child.
2: He must look like an absolute child that makes no sense just bingo <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? you know what though? Teddy Long actually makes that fit work, although that picture makes him look long.
0: me if I stood next to really chat.
1: Honestly, honestly, true. <laughs> it,
0: honestly, you know
1: what this is giving me? It's it's giving Proto Stokeley Hathaway.
0: It really mm, is. I, so, do you yeah. know? Fun fact: Do you know who Sid kind of replaced in this in this uh, in this trio? I do not. Is it
1: Mark? Is it? It's Mark? Mark.
0: He replaced Mark Callaway. Oh yeah. I'm Hi. the dead man. <laughs> Mean Mark Callis originally was managed by Teddy Long.
1: Yeah,
0: it's
1: crazy, isn't it? Remember that
2: bit. But another thing, Teddy Long looks like he has been like he is that he's like 10 years too early for New Jack Swing.
0: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) it's rather incredible. It's true, it's true. So, of course, the, sky, uh, the skyscrapers would feud around this time in 89 with the Steiners and, of course, with the Road Warriors because this is the NWA and the tag team that was on top of the mountain was the Road Warriors. This, this time he yeah. would incorporate the powerbomb as his main finisher. Of course as well this would only be a su- only kind of a really short-lived run for the Sid as he would end up suffering a broken rib and a punctured lung during a match with the Steiner brothers at Clash of the Champions and that would take him out of commission for quite a long time from about no it was November he suffered the injury and he wouldn't be coming he wouldn't come back until May of 1990 where he was reintroduced as the newest member of Ric Flair's Four Horsemen. Now this is where he was uh, he was originally billed from Marion, Arkansas and Memphis, Arkansas. But this is where he famously got the build from wherever he damn well pleases.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. That's I, I really dig that. He I was originally
0: really like that. So do you really like right you realise, right? This is the thing that always makes me laugh at the reasoning as to why Sid was part of the Four Horsemen. He was brought in to counteract the strength of Robocop at Capital Combat. He You're was lying. there.
1: Way to... Things are meant to be.
0: You are lying to me. Nope. I shit you not. Sid was brought into the Four Horsemen to counteract Robocop.
2: As I as know well. Roboc- Okay, I know that Robocop was a thing. I know that Robocop was a thing, but I can't believe this.
1: <laughs>
2: I know he was a thing in wrestling. I know this for a fact. He I cannot Sting's believe that he was... He's Sting's best friend. <laughs> because he's Sting's best friend, but I couldn't... He was brought into... Okay, continue. <laughs> okay,
0: so his very first televised match back was a 26-second squash to Lex Luger. <laughs> Which...
1: Fucking! That seems so confusing to me.
0: It was later revealed, I think, back in twenty eighteen during a shoot interview, that the reason that this was this quick loss was made was punishment from Oli Anderson after he was seen playing softball during his time off whilst he re- rehabilitated with his punctured lung. I kid I, you not. I
1: I, I, I love that. Because it gives the prospect that this man was playing like a competitive level game. Exactly. It's not like he was just playing softball, turned up to like a community league. Like he turned up to the rec center and played. Now, this brother was playing organized competition.
0: Yeah. So, his first real feud back was with the world heavyweight champion, Sting beating him up on every opportunity he could get for a shot at the championship. And it would happen at Halloween Havoc. Although, in a really weird way, this match turned out. So, in collusion with Sid, Barry Windham decided to dress up as a fake Sting and would let Sid pin him after switching places with the real Sting in order for Sid to win the belt. But worry
2: about that
0: plan was thwarted when the real Sting came out and beat Sid to retain the title. Trust me, I make it sound confusing, but as you watch it, it kind of makes... Actually, no, I'm not even giving this, like, the benefit of the doubt if you watch <laughs> Just seeing Barry Windham with the blonde flat top and the makeup is just weird. The idea I...
1: of someone trying to disguise themselves as Sting, but, like, surface Sting, is mind-blowing
0: to me. I'll bring you right. This brings me then to this point, Dad. The history of people pretending to be Sting is huge. Look, yeah, but I always think 99% Winter,
1: of them are fucking crow Sting. Like, no, that's Jeff, yeah. Jarrett,
0: that- Jeff Jarrett did surface Sting at one.
2: Are we gonna to have to do an episode on the history of people pretending the to be history Sting? History
0: of fake Sting. To think, what we're gonna do a third part on the Sting, right? Yeah, I think we should really. <laughs> I'm gonna leave yes. it at that because there's seriously Sting's
1: retrospective part three. It's fake been, Sting.
0: It's yeah. been too many people that have been Sting, right?
2: <laughs> Heath okay. Slater
0: was Sting at one point.
2: I, okay, yeah, we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to just stop it there because I, I, I need a further elaboration. That's an episode. That's an episode right
0: there. <laughs> yes, I want to do that. I'm happy to do that in the future. Anyway, so during after that Halloween Havoc, Sid's time with the with the Horseman became tenuous at best, and Nuss would begin a sort of alluding to a face turn around 1990. Eventually, he would now go up to end up facing. The Night Stalker, who we know as Adam Bomb. (laughs) Oh, my guy Adam Bomb. (laughs) Which, of course, Sid won, although was attacked post-match by the debuting Big Cat, who we, of course, know as Mr. Hughes or Curtis Hughes. Bryce.
2: Right,
1: I, I, You really messed with my head then because I heard Big Cat and I was expecting him to be followed by Cass and I was like, of course he wasn't around then. <laughs> <laughs> so of it's course, big having two Cat. big
0: men, it would end up having, he would have big hoss matches around this time leading into 1991. Although during, after that in 91, he would return to be a fully fledged horseman once more and would end up participating in the classic War Games 91 match, which is again... Really good war games. (laughs) As he would end up teaming. uh, With the Four Horsemen. With Flair Wyndham. uh, With Flair and Wyndham. To take on. uh, Sorry. Flair, Wyndham. Zabisco and Arn To take on Sting. Brian Pillman and the Steiner brothers. Which is again. Go back. It's a fucking good war games match. If not probably the best war games match. Yes. And that does mean. Even with Sid in there. (laughs) But. After that, he would pretty much amic- like just split and during the time he had entered negotiations with the WWF. Now, despite the huge contract offer and the promise of a world championship run that he was given uh, and was trying to entice him to stay within um, uh, 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 Turner Towers, uh, Sid would actually announce his intentions to leave and would join the WWF. So... As sort of a way out, as and in, in, in his kind of way of le- of going out, he would uh, give the rub to a young, young and hungry wrestler that had just debuted in WCW. The seven foot seven tall El Gigante, who we know, of course, as Giant Gonzalez. Right. Yes. Yes. I- the the story of I mean I'd say was an offshoot, the story of El Gigante or Jorge Gonzalez is is a very interesting one in like in that he was part of the Turner-owned Atlanta Hawks, but then Turner saw him, didn't think he was a good basketball player, and thought, you know what, you could be a good wrestler, so how about I take you to WCW instead? And then he wasn't very good at wrestling either.
2: <laughs> What is it with these people and thinking about and just thinking that anyone tall is automatically a good wrestler?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: I don't I don't I don't understand why this comes up so much. It
0: really does.
2: It really does. You think they'd learn. You think they'd learn after all of this.
0: That they don't. They really don't, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, this brings us to his first foray in the WWF in 1991. He would make his debut in an untelevised segment attacking the Mountie following his open offer, his open kind of uh, match stipulation on an episode of Superstars. But his very first uh, WWF match would be a non televised house show in Calgary defeating the Million Dollar Man.
2: Okay, but uh, quick pause. Was the Mountie Canadian?
0: Yes, of course he
2: was. He's French Canadian. No, it was uh, no. Jacques Rougeau. Listen, listen. You you say of course the history of the, of wrestling of fake nationality is wide and vast. I think that's a legit. Oh yeah, question I remember, asked. yeah Chief
0: Jay Strongbow famously Italian. Yes,
2: you know what I mean. Mr. Mus- like- Muhammad
0: Hassan was Italian. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, he would end up, of course, making uh, sort of his televised debut in a series of vignettes, uh, promoting the debut and introducing him as Sid Justice. As in his non-televised appearances, he was simply going under Sid because they didn't want to copyright Sid Vicious because of the whole thing with the Sex Pistols and Vince wanting his own thing. So, Sid, Sid, eventually, of course, becoming Sid Justice. Justice. He would debut on the July twentieth, ninety-one episode of S- of Superstars as the special guest referee for the main event of that year's SummerSlam, where The Ultimate Warrior would go on to f- uh, oh, th- would go on to face, along with Hulk Hogan, the team of the Triangle of Terror that was Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, and General Adnan. Yes, this was the time where Slaughter was an Iraqi sympathizer. Hmm. Yes. Uh, yes! yes. That time. (laughs)
1: Um, Now, give to me as a concept. Debuting someone as a special guest referee is gonzo.
0: Yeah. This is true. Yeah. You are right.
1: I I, I, I cannot think of another another time or situation anyone would ever want to replicate that.
2: He's right, you know. Yeah, I can't... I mean... He would have been...
0: On the same night at Sutherslam, he would actually save Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth from their tack at the hands of Jake Roberts and The Undertaker during the couple's wedding reception. Because remember, they got married <laughs> on that Sutherslam?
2: You know, together! Yeah, what? what? Yeah. Why did sure. The Undertaker want to, to, to attack no them? No one knows. Like I get Jake the Snake because Jake the Snake was all Elizabeth. Yeah, was was all (laughs) was all up in his his weirdness, and we love it. But what did the Undertaker want?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, during this time, they had to do a bit of damage control because it was this SummerSlam where Ultimate Warrior held up Vince for a, a huge amount of money and an and owed and old royalties that he believed that he were he was owed for, from his time with Vince. And so, after after threatening to no show unless he got his payment, Vince acquiesced made um, paid warrior got him out there and as soon as he walked through the curtain at Summerslam, he immediately suspended the ultimate warrior indefinitely (laughs) because vince (laughs) is petty as shit Uh, but also ultimate warrior yeah let's sit about warrior the (laughs) best
1: he is he is one of the wrestlers of all time
0: to talk about to quote jim ross what in the fuck is distrusity but no, they had to do a bit of damage control, and so they had to have another big guy be the kind of number two behind Hulk Hogan, and so immediately Sid, shortly after debuting, was kind of thrusted into this position as the number two slash free babyface of the of the uh of the promotion. Um, not a lot of people were buying it, honestly.
1: You look at Sid. And told me that man's a baby face,
0: especially <laughs> after having having a match with uh, Jake Roberts shortly before Survivor Series, and ended up injuring his biceps.
1: Like,
0: and so yeah, they had to be. kind of they kind of had to do kind of a little bit more damage control at that point. So, uh, what do we do? We quickly we quickly have Sid recover, and oh crap, we can have Ric Flair. Let's bring Ric Flair in.
1: can <laughs> Have. Ric Flair and then Sid with him as bigger Ric Flair.
0: Yes, this brings us to the 92 Royal Rumble, of course, where the special stipulation of this one was the winner would end up winning the vacant WWF championship, which had been stripped from Hulk Hogan. So, Sid returns after injury at number 29, was among the four final wrestlers with Hogan, Savage and Flair. He eliminated Savage and then eliminated Hogan, leaving himself and Flair as the final two. Hogan, being the sort of person that goes, that's not going to work for me, dude, was still at ringside, protesting with the referees that he should never have been eliminated, despite the fact, may I add, that Sid fairly and cleanly eliminated Hulk Hogan from the match.
1: Yeah, but Hogan doesn't care. Hogan just wants to win.
0: (laughs) Hogan would go to shake sid's arm hand and would yank him out of the ring
2: and that counts as a baby face maneuver
0: that is but yeah i was gonna say that counts as a baby face move from hogan
1: it does for hogan
0: which of course would uh. mean that rick flair would become the wwf champion and of course we know that promo with a tear in my eye this is the greatest moment of my life oh But of course, this left with Hogan and Sid causing a fracas at ringside and having the backroom staff and the referees pulling them apart as Sid wanted to tear Hogan's face off.
2: Yep. Yep. This led to Jack Tunney holding a press conference.
0: uh, Program. That's how it works, right? Yes, exactly. Jack Tunney would hold a press conference to say that uh, anyone. uh, That's how.
1: That's how it works.
0: So yes, uh, what would happen is Tunney called a press conference to announce who would be facing Flair for the WWF Championship at WrestleMania. Before even he can inter- announce who the number one contender was, Sid stood up as if Tunney went out to call his name, and yet to Sid's annoyance, Tunney chose Hogan, and this is where Sid turned heel on Hogan by by just throwing stacks of paper at Tunney at himself and just beating each other up. And so, rather than having Flair versus Savage as the main event for the WWF Championship, we got the true main event, Sid versus Hogan.
2: What a weird sentence, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense, like yes, logic-wise, but it's still like this is what we're doing? Yeah, All exactly. Right. Exactly. So
0: this, at WrestleMania 8, this is the infamous main event match where uh, where Sid had to kick out of the atomic leg drop because Papa Shango had missed his cue to intervene in the match <laughs> and caused the disqualification because here's the thing. Of course, as we know, the atomic leg drop was like ultra protected as a move. No one ever kicked out of it and Sid had to kind of, they had to call an audible and Sid had no choice but to kick out in order for Papa Shango to interfere, get the um the DQ. Of course, then who should come out to save Hogan than the Ultimate Warrior? And so here we are back in the would, exact same I would thi- just
1: like to reiterate a sentence. Sid had to kick out of Hogan's finisher because Papa Shango missed his Q.
2: Yep. Yep. That is
0: the you only see way. The look. I love the fact that you can actually, even with all of that makeup on, you can still see the look on Charles Wright's face of "Oh fuck, I fucked up." Oh fuck, as he's running down the, as he's running down the edge to the to the ring, he's going "Oh fuck, I fucked up. I fucked up massively."
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I can't think of a worse than than I've than I made. I had to. We had to break an ultra protected move.
0: Especially fucking Hogan's as well.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I just, oh, that's just again. I can't imagine how much fucking Hogan was being so pissy after that.
1: See, you know, you know fortunately, that. You... Fortunately, fortunately, um, Hogan being H- Hogan being Hogan, um, he's lucky that I wasn't there because I would have been late on purpose. <laughs>
2: But you you know that that's, that's a level of, of anger where Hogan was just like, nah, it's cool, I'm not even mad. Not even mad. Proceeds to
1: derail
2: someone. I was going to say, he was, <laughs> he was yeah. mad. He was Like, literally just going, nah, nah, it's fine, it's cool, it's cool. That's when you know, that's the level of mad, you know.
0: Well, I'll tell you this, right, at least Charles Wright did did all right, as in a few years later, he'd end up becoming the Godfather, so. yeah. He didn't do too bad for himself. <laughs> so, it was only very recently, about ten or so years ago, found uh, revealed that uh, Dave Meltzer confirmed this as well. That it was found out that Sid, on the day, had failed a drug test prior to the match with Hogan. He was allowed to do it, and then was allowed to go onto the European tour. But it was only after he was frapped up on the European tour, that he was told to serve his 30-day suspension. Resulting... <laughs> Resulting in Sid quitting and pursuing a career in softball. Oh my god.
1: Here we go, here's the first arc!
2: So, oh my god.
1: I would like, to, I would like this... to know, though, like, they said he failed a drug test, but like... What would he what would he have been on that anyone else in the locker room wouldn't have been?
0: You, you, know, you yeah. know, I know, right? He was definitely on the same thing fucking Hogan was on different <laughs> being on. I
1: can't I can't lie. If wrestlers are getting done for pets, then like we need to, we we need to we need to start a dialogue.
0: Yeah. Oh shit's not gonna work for me, dude.
1: <laughs> Hogan just going to Vince, he, like Hey, I saw this guy. I saw this guy earlier. You might want to investigate him.
0: <laughs> uh, so, originally he was going to have a, a, a feud with Ultimate Warrior during this time, after the European Tour, but that was um eventually uh, ended up uh, not happening, of course, because Sid ended up quitting. Uh, but he was ended up re- being replaced with Papa Shango. So that's 1992 and honestly he didn't have much to do with wrestling from that point from 92 to 93 as he ended up actually having a career in amateur softball for quite a lot for for the rest of the year.
2: Man just wasn't kidding about this career was he? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Guy was just vibing
0: it wouldn't be until may so pretty much kind of like a full a full year um that he would actually return to professional wrestling coming back as a surprise as a surprise entrant uh competitor of colonel robert parker against van hammer at slambury the surprise entrant back under his sid uh, sid vicious ring name and during the summer he would end up teaming with big van vader and would reignite his feud with sting this leads to full brawl and of course the infamous flair for the gold segment where sting introduced the ace in the hole of his team the one and only Shockmaster.
1: see this is what i mean this man intersects so many random things
0: he, i that? will give sid i will give sid this right as we've sp- always seen it, right? Sid does his absolute best to sell the Shockmaster as this imposing threat, <laughs> even when he, uh, in the words of Davy Boy Smith, fell flat on his ass. He fell flat on his fucking ass.
2: <laughs> I do now. I did like look this up. Apparently, Sid had told them it wasn't gonna work. <laughs> yep. And so, and like, I think you can actually hear him mumbling, basically going, "I told you, I <laughs> told yet. you guys." You there are there are so many things about
1: this entire segment which are frankly legendary. Like as I have maintained, I am fairly sure Ric Flair gets replaced by a cardboard cutout of himself. <laughs> <laughs> he does, but, but God. Sid is so
0: committed to making this work. He's like, let's just see it through, boys. I mean, even halfway through the promo Shopmaster has that he changes Sid's ring name. Come after me. Come after me, Stid. Yes, Stid.
1: It's when Sting and Sid do the fusion dance.
2: Yeah. That's a ho- horrible, horrible fusion.
0: It is. Oh, my exactly, God. Exactly so after this this would reignite of course the feud between sting and sid eventually ending up in a rematch at halloween havoc of 1993 but was defeated once again uh i love how the wikipedia entry says via roll up which i thought i'd add in as well because of course that you need to have that detail <laughs> important detail
1: yes it is an important detail okay
0: so on the on the following weeks Uh, WCW Saturday night, Sid would eventually turn on Colonel Robert Parker and would become a babyface. This would end up being Sid's last appearance from then he was uh, fired from his contract due to a very, very um, serious incident. So, I think you two have heard of this in rumblings here, there and everywhere, but I'll give you the very short version of this it was during a WCW european tour um and they it, would, it for the t- uh, as they were there i think they were into about i think 3 4 dates into the into this european tour and it had actually been for lack of a better term atrocious because it had been poorly scheduled and poorly advertised uh, by WCW so at this current moment they're doing the loop around the uk and they've just stopped off in blackburn they were in a hotel okay. in Blackburn. Okay. But during this time, it had been around this time that a lot of people were getting irritated with one another. Sid especially was drawing the ire of one Arn Anderson.
1: Is that, is that related to or unrelated to previous issues with Ole Anderson?
0: I don't know. But what we do know for certain is that it got so heated, both of them ended up going... Into their respective hotel rooms. But Sid was. Quite hot. And um, if memory serves me correct. Please I apologise if I do. If I got this wrong. Sid picks up a chair leg. And marches. To Arne Anderson's hotel room. He bangs on the door. Arne opens up. And Sid demands an apology. For just all of the for the arguments. And the tetchiness that's been going around. Arne seeing that he has a chair leg on him, immediately knows what's about to happen, and goes for a pair of scissors that are in his room. Sid and Arne have a bit of a scuffle where Sid manages to take the pair of scissors off of Arne and stabs him 20 times. I'm sorry, what? Yes. Sid in the in the on sorry, on in the ensuing scuffle sid ended up uh stabbing on 20 times with the scissors uh apparently to, like uh several of them were quite deep lacerations the rest of them were grazes and marks but from doctor's report uh there were seven uh, 20 wounds upon arm um realizing what had just happened in the blaze of kind of like seeing red and everything, Sid immediately realised what the fuck just happened, and Arn was rushed to the hospital. As I said, given the the severity of his injuries, he was very lucky to get away with it, get away scot free. Yes.
2: Uh, but he
0: was he, he was incredibly lucky that it didn't end up being any worse than He's... it than it absolutely could have been. He's lucky he didn't murder him. Yep. Yep.
1: Here's what? the here's here's my thing. This is my thing about wrestling, right? Mm. That like, okay, obviously taking a weapon to someone's room is stupid in the first place. Yes. And then going there and not just outright attacking them and saying, Look, here's the situation, and then someone being like, Alright, well I'm just gonna go arm myself anyway. Mm. I'm just like, does does wrestling have like no concept of basic conflict resolution? Apparently no,
0: not. <laughs> I mean, if if history
2: has taught us anything, no. <laughs> you so you like like this is what like this gets me. Okay, things are tense. It's a bad tour. Okay, and things the tensions are high. You're in, I get you're that. in Blackburn. <laughs> Yeah, you're in bla- Yeah, you're in Blackburn. That's, en- <laughs> that's enough to make anyone anyone snap. I was expecting a fight. I was not expecting a man to get Julius Caesared.
1: <laughs> What's the thing from Detroit? Become human.
2: Yeah, twenty, 20, 20 stab, stab wounds. Stab wounds. <laughs> like that is such an escalation. You know what is the is
0: the is the very kind of like I guess is the very interesting thing about all of this is when Sid would return to WCW a few years later both Arn and Sid patched things up
2: I mean they need time away
1: from each other
0: <laughs> and were like both were very apologetic to one another I mean, say doubly so because of what he just did.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be a bit more apologetic if I, you know, stabbed the dude 20 times. What the hell?
0: What is. What? What? yeah it's it's not nu- it's genuinely nuts it's one of those things when you look through like when i knew i knew this had, had to come up at one point so it was like how do i say se- you can't segue into this sort of thing smoothly it kind of is no, just, you, you have know. to put it in there abruptly
2: yeah there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing to say he stabbed a man 20 times yeah yeah should we move on <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, might as well, right?
0: He... <laughs> so, ninety-four and ninety uh, through ninety-four and ninety-five, Sid would just bounce between several promotions within the independents. He would go into the now merged Memphis Wrestling WCCW uh, promotion, known as the United States Wrestling Association, where he would reignite his feud with Jerry Lawler. He would eventually go on to win the Unified World Heavyweight Championship. Um, in screwy circumstances, if you if you say that, because, of course, Lawler's champ, you know, this is Lawler booking, yeah, Lola, and Lawler has, has to Lola lose booking. for some weird thing, and then eventually win it in about a month's time. <laughs> yeah. So, also, this would see the time where Sid was part of Herb Abrams' UWF. Oh, what a guy. I- D- during the one and only... Main headlining a uh, pay per view, the Blackjack Brawl, um, the last event as well of the UWF in 1994, where he challenged Doctor Death, Steve Williams, for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, a love a fun fact about this one about the Blackjack Brawl, right? They took pl- it took place at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, right? It's a venue that kind of seats about about fifteen thousand or seventeen thousand. Good, like on and off, they drew 600 people spectacularly bad. Again, we need to do an episode on Herb Abrams UWF just for real, just because I, I just want to. You've seen the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the UWF, haven't you?
2: Really? I, I have, I have, and I'm just like,
0: <sighs> we again. We so need to do an episode of the UWF, it's not even fun. Just just the most hardcore funny Yeah. So eventually, of course, he would continue his rivalry throughout 95 with Jerry Lawler, eventually going to having another flip-flop and hot potato of the Unified Heavyweight Championship once more. This would see him return to the WWF, in February of 1995, as he would become the brand new bodyguard for the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels,
1: we needed uh, to run it back.
0: Of course, because of course, during this time, Diesel had was facing off against Shawn Michaels, with Diesel being the WWF champion at this time. You can't have those two being good friends, surely? No. No. Of course not. Of course not. And so ended up being uh well of course Diesel defeats Sean. Uh Sean blames Sid, and then Sid decides to um well Sid decides to turn proper heel and Sean becomes face by Sean uh with Sid power bombing Sean Michaels um uh, into Kingdom Come three times my I had that yes. he that he did and then Diesel came to Michael's aid and closed clothesline Sid over the rope. This, of course, leads us into the very first In Your House. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Michael's claims to have sustained a legit back injury as a result of the power bomb and was sidelined for six weeks. And thus, that took him out of the title match as well with Diesel. But this is Sean in the mid-90s. Yeah. And sometimes he would always pretend to fake or feign an injury in order to vacate a title, so he didn't have to lose it. So take it with the most massive amount of salt. Yeah.
2: <laughs> on the on the other hand, his on the other hand, his back his back issues is well documented. So exactly. I it literally this one I actually like. If you're getting power three times by Sid, I'd actually I'd actually believe him on this one. I, to maybe extent, i'm wrong I would, yeah. maybe i'm wrong but i believe him on this one
0: so of course as i said he would challenge for the wwf championship in your house we've seen that fellas everyone you can go back and watch uh listen to that episode where we all collectively y- flipping lost our minds
2: <laughs> not a good time not and a Karin good time
0: as well afterwards i mean <laughs> eventually of course after that we come to King of the Ring. Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow would end up defeating the team of Sid and Tatanka. He would face off against Diesel once again at the very at the second In Your House uh, pay per view match uh, for the WWF Championship at a lump in a lumberjack match, which Diesel won ah. definitively to end that feud. Sid would go on to feud with Shawn Michaels, coming back from his injury to face him at SummerSlam, but was replaced by Razor Ramon at the last minute with Ramon challenging for Michael's Intercontinental Championship as seen as as Sid was seen watching backstage getting very pissed off (laughs) so I don't know who decided to not give Sid the opportunity although I can admit probably Sean didn't want to work with Sid I would guess I'd guess that so going in to uh, in into in your house free, he would have a mini feud with Henry Godwin of the Godwins, culminating in a victory at in your house free. November, it's Raw. Sid faces off against Razor Ramon in a non-title match with the 1-2-3 Kid as the special guest res- referee.
1: They really course, were up on the special guest referee stuff. <laughs>
0: Of course, that Ramon is, uh... and Kid were friends at this time, because of course Kid had the upset win, Ramon, and Ramon took him under his ring. <laughs> we know all that. Just as Ramon was about to deliver the razor's edge, the one 2 three Kid helped Sid avoid it, thus turning the one 2 three Kid in a heel and joining the Million Dollar Corporation. <laughs> Make of that Just what like... you will, gentlemen.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, what can I say there?
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. Shortly after this, though, after the Survivor Series, um, when he was uh was randomly teamed up with Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, and the British Bulldog to face off against <laughs> Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon, and Dean Douglas in a what was known as a wild card for the Survivor Series match. Um, Sid didn't win that one. After he was super kicked by Shawn Michaels, he would end up. Fort- uh, Unfortunately, unfortunately, suffering a serious neck injury, and that would leave him out of de- uh, of of competition for quite a while. Uh, as a matter of fact, quite a quite a while. But it wouldn't be until I think it was July of the next year in 1996 where he would end up coming back, where he took up the moniker of Psycho Sid. Under this version, where well, he was a more of a of of an intense character, prone to. Prone to just bit fits of insanity and laugh laughter, which, when you think about it, he was kind of already doing when we watched in your house.
2: Yeah, okay, I'm so kind of like, yeah, again. that's what. It's... Has he actually changed <laughs> character, or is this like a Golden Freezer type deal?
0: I think it's Golden. Wanna, it's definitely wanna, a Golden I Freezer. I want
2: to stress the
1: the minute long promo video, which is just video VT of Sid.
0: And let's remember. That's just the- it. His whole promo style was the camera right up his nostrils. And him just talking in a very silent, in a very whispered tone looking crazy as anything.
2: Yeah, man. Anyway,
0: we get into it a little bit more. This, somehow he was able to get a WWF championship run with this. Crazy, isn't it? He I was- mean,
2: mm-hmm. it was. I mean, to be fair, it was the new generation. Who did they have?
0: Who did they have? Shawn Michaels,
2: I- Bret Hart, Vader. I Owen mean, Hart. Okay, listen. They had them, but did they really have them? No,
0: especially with Vader. Let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs>
2: you know what I mean?
0: God, damn it yeah i hate to be mean there but like <laughs> He would start a feud of uh, because i'll go into it he ended up starting a feud with vader which would culminate in your house for the number one contendership for Shawn michael's wwf championship sid can, would can, actually can you, can win you, can, via a choke I say, slam
1: i was gonna say can you confirm to me if that was any good it wasn't bad because I feel like I should enjoy Sid versus Vader, but I don't know if I would. There was a lot yeah. of screwy
0: finishes. Like Cornet was uh, was interfering. Yeah. Shawn Michaels switching yeah. music, Vader. So it wasn't like a like you know, like a true one on one contest. A lot of screw. It was a screwy finish, basically.
2: Yeah, that tracks.
0: So it was during this time that Sid decided to. Attack Sean Michaels with a with a cameraman's camera at this time. And make that a thing. This would culminate at Survivor Series for the WWF Championship, where Sid would grab a camera and prepare to hit Michaels with it. But of course, this is the time when Michaels was trained was managed by his trainer, Jose Lafario. And so Jose LaFario got onto the ring apron and told Sid to put the camera down. And in, rather than hitting Shawn Michaels with it, he hit Jose Lavario with it instead. As you do. Despite the, this, the fact that this was supposed to be a heelish move and Sid was supposed to be a heel, if you go back and watch this match, the audience actually cheered wildly for him when he did this and booed the shit out of Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> so... With all that being said, Michaels hits him with the sweet chin music. The crowd boos. Michaels, instead of pinning him, goes outside to check on Jose Lafaro before going for the pin. Sid hits Michaels in the back with the camera instead. And then threw him back in the ring before hitting him with the powerbomb to win his very first WWF Championship. Yes, Sid... WWF champion now Mm -hmm. between now and Wrestlemania not much really happens he has a rematch with Shawn Michaels Bret Hart ends up trying to get himself into a title pitch here and there but of course that doesn't happen because Steve Austin keeps interfering at every opportunity he has so come Wrestlemania 13 we have Shawn Michaels losing his smile (laughs) and wasn't part of, of the event And instead we have Bret Hart versus Steve Austin in that submission match. And then in the main event we have Sid versus The Undertaker.
1: Uh, A classic of the wrestling canon.
0: The only thing people remember is Undertaker's celebration, Dan.
1: (laughs) Yes, truly a classic of the wrestling canon.
0: (laughs) And so, of course, Sid would end up losing it via the Tombstone Driver to win the WWF Championship. Now, Sid was supposed to have an angle with Bret Hart leading into the next In Your House. And then end up having a mini feud with Mank- the newly debuted Mankind. Both, though, ended up being cancelled due to Sid re-injuring his neck. He would come back around June time of 1997 eventually having a non-title match with The Undertaker. He would go on to face the Legion of... Uh, go on teaming with the Legion of Doom to face the Heart Foundation in in a losing effort. Sid would go on to face Owen for, during the house show loop around Canada especially, but would only make his final appearance in a brief episode on a July Raw. Despite being promoted to face Vader in SummerSlam 97, the neck injury was too... Again coming back a bit too soon, Sid ended up re-injuring the neck, and this time he had to require surgery. And so this like, no, saw him out of commission. Saw him out of commission for about a year and a half.
2: Ooh, yeah, I mean, neck injury, especially at that time.
0: Thus would see Sid's probably one of his most shortest, but most popular runs as a talent in ECW.
2: Oh dear God. Yes. Oh no.
0: Let me say this, Reardon. Sid was over as fucking ECW.
2: Yeah, I could see that, honestly.
0: Big, beefy boy kicking the shit out of the Dudley boys. Yeah, that'd do it. That's exactly what he did for his tenure there in ECW. And the fans loved it.
2: They paid the blood so that they get a a man who built himself as a psycho. So there you go.
0: Exactly. But of course, as was always the case with ECW at this time, Sid left pretty soon after he joined due to the monetary issues that were plaguing the promotion at the time. So.
1: Not getting paid will do that to you.
0: Exactly. This brings us to his second time and return to WCW. It's funny enough, it was at the behest of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall that Sid was coaxed into returning to WCW. And it was actually during the Great American Bash in June 1999 that he would join Randy Savage's heel stable, Team Madness. Now, fellas, fellas, the only people in in Team Madness were Randy Savage and Sid Vicious. The other three were Savage's valets, Gorgeous George, Medusa, and Miss Madness 1999, who
2: became Molly Holly. Oh, wow. Oh, my That's God.
1: That's a fucking deep cut.
2: Hang on, hang on one second. Gorgeous George. Now, here's this the thing, a, right? This is a different Gorgeous George, right? <laughs> yes,
0: Randy Savage had, uh was at the time seeing, uh, seeing um I can't remember her name, but was in a relationship with someone else and wanted to bring her in as a valet and was such a fan of Gorgeous George that he bought the rights and the trademark to Gorgeous George and gave it to her. I don't know. Let's see again, as Brian Zane said it, that brings up a whole different sort of, connotations to randy savage doing that he loves gorgeous george so much that he would get the rights to give it to his valet who was his girlfriend
2: yeah i I have so many questions for that but we have to move on
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh this is where sid would take the nickname and the moniker of the millennium man the man who was going to see us into the new century. <laughs> this would start Sid's undefeated streak in WCW, basically kind of
1: emulating go.
0: the one that Goldberg would had previously. Although most of the streak was kind of Sid just coming to the ring, powerbombing wrestlers immediate- that were already in a match or immediately following their match and thus defeating, in air quotes, defeating them
1: that's basically wrestling booking 101, one like yeah i don't this... i don't understand your problem here sir
0: of course this was during the time we would also get one of sid's most infamous promos it was scott hall and oh, kevin God. nash pretending to be sid uh kevin nash in like really weird prosthetic makeup and a, and a curly wig to look like sid basically taking the piss out of him being dumb And so at Cub Sid, he's hot as anything, pissed off with the pair of them, and says these famous words. Kevin Nash, you are only half the man that I am. But you know that I only have half the brain that you do. That you do. You're making me look like a goddamn idiot. (laughs) Now, it's been said... That Sid was told to, was told to say that line verbatim. Others have said that Sid tripped up on his words. Now, how you? Uh, I, I just... don't know. If you look at his face, I don't know. I don't know if he was told to say that. To be quite honest.
2: Does he sell it? Does he sell, like, those words? He
0: sells those words, but, like, he really sells the, that you have half the brain, I have half the brain that you do! Right. Hmm.
2: Hmm. He I, says it,
1: and there's this look on his face, which is just like, I, I may have messed up here.
0: <laughs> and he's also very purple in the face as he's doing it, may I add, not Oh, I?
1: yeah. I I love this because it it basically just it, if you take it like verbatim as it is it basically just implies whoever's saying it is a massive himbo.
0: Yeah. yeah. Not right.
1: I am I am I am twice the man that you are but I have half the brain that you do. <laughs> of
0: course, right. So, moving on a little bit. September of 1999 would see Sid win his one and only United States Championship, defeating Chris Pinoy at Fulbrook. Yes. Yes. This, again, I think would have the, the second best moment in Sid's career in WCW at this time, where he would begin a feud with Goldberg, who would challenge him for the United States Championship. Now earlier that night they had a backstage um, altercation um, where Sting, oh, uh, well, sorry, where Goldberg uh, ble- uh, cut open Sid. Now Sid was only was required to have stitches for this, but he refused to be treated, which led to Sid kind of just bleeding the op- the, the entire time uh, during the match and during the evening. Now that's well, not the most refused. famous. Now this I no idea because he's mad because he's Sid vicious because he's tearing Okay,
2: fine. Whatever. Continue.
0: Now this moment. is this is now this now this is a little bit in storyline, a little bit kayfabe. Sid, there was an intentional shot, but it was planned to be that, that he would bleed, but it was done hard way, and a little bit more than you shouldn't have. But yeah, make it that what you will. Uh, but Sid lost that and thus lost his streak. But it was during this time, I have to bring this up, where Goldberg would do things like flatten and crush Sid's cars and his transportation. This leads us to the very famous backstage altercation that closed out one episode of WCW Nitro, where Sid goes, Hey, Moses, where's my car, man? To which Moses replies, Uh, Bay 22. 20, 22! 22! <laughs> And he runs to find out that S- that Goldberg has yet again crushed Sid's car into the cube, and it ends with Sid in his best acting going, "Why me? Why me?"
1: That's so- it's such a specific kind of violence to
0: just <laughs> to crush someone's car repeatedly. Again, I can't, I can't help but like just. Just, just, a- just tell 22. you really how funny Sid's acting is when he just realised. Right. The story is, he put Goldberg's car in Bay 22. Goldberg, earlier that day, decides to move his car and put Sid's in there. So that car gets crushed instead. So,
2: it makes sense just his acting when he goes Twenty Two. <laughs> oh. Is this, like, a thing? Are they just crushing each other's cars repeatedly?
0: Well, no. Goldberg's the one that's crushing Sid's car.
2: Right. Okay.
0: And Sid tried to get a one-up by doing the same to Goldberg. (laughs) I will show you the clip later if you haven't seen it, but (laughs) it's just so funny. (laughs) And as I said, that's how they ended an episode of Nitro, (laughs) Rid. So, this brings us to 2000, where Sid became a face and was starting to contend for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, he was placed into a, into a match at Sold Out in January for the vacant championship. Of course, this was of, uh, during the time where Bret Hart was champion, but had to relinquish it and retire due to... Um, the, uh, the concussion that he received from the kicks from, uh, from that kick from Goldberg. Sid would end up losing the match to Benoit. But the title was again vacated. As eight days later, Benoit decided to say fuck you and leave for the WWF.
1: He's like, I'm out. I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> so, this was set up that a match on Nitro the next week would be Sid versus Nash. Versus the Harris Brothers.
1: Oh, joy of joys. Sid defeated
0: the Harris Brothers. Sorry, the Nazi Twins. Um, And then would go up to face Kevin Nash. And would win against Nash. And become the WCW champion. Fun fact about Sid during this time. We've discussed about WCW in 2000, haven't
2: we? We <laughs> have. Yes. yes, we have.
0: And we know that Sid's run with the title was the longest running in that year. Oh, me am I. when sounds a weird
1: thing to say. But, when, but you, when, you look at, when you look at the numbers, you, you, you understand why.
0: Yes. Exactly. Exactly. He would go on to have a program with Jeff Jarrett, who was trying to gun for the title. He would end up facing Scott Steiner. Um... Uh, in, a, in one match on a Nitro. And eventually, with ho- Hogan was helping Sid out during this time. And of course, during this match, one match with this match with Scott Steiner, Sid turned heel and attacked Hogan. And of course, it was all set up to be Hogan versus Sid at the Stink uh, Spring Stampede pay-per-view. That didn't happen, though. Because in their infinite wisdom, Russo and Bischoff decided to completely restart WCW, thus stripping everyone of their championships as a great big reset button to WCW. Yeah. Now, in a weird turn of events in during this episode of Nitro, when he was forced to relinquish the championship, Sid, hesitant to do it and very angry, Bischoff tried to antagonize him by for some reason, I don't want to know if this was Russo or Bischoff's idea, they wanted to kind of blur the lines of kayfabe and reality, and and Bischoff tried to goad Sid by saying, hey, what's the matter, Sid? Did you lose your scissors? To the reception of absolutely no one, and Mark Madden on commentary just going, wow!
1: See, this is the thing that I've said to, uh, we spoke about this recently, just said, the, the key point out of this right is they're trying to do the whole like oh we're gonna blur the lines of reality you can't get a joke if you don't understand the context
0: <laughs> especially in the year 2000 <laughs> where
1: so this, this this is a joke that is mm. predicated on extremely specific knowledge that you're you're banking on your entire viewer base having <laughs> And not even in terms of, like, a cultural reference where someone, like, might know someone. This refers to a specific event in time.
2: Yeah.
0: It just makes no sense. It's like, because at 2000, you put it in this context, not everyone had access to the internet or was a subscriber to the Wrestling Observer. So who was it really catering to other than about a niche group of people that would have understood it?
1: It's very literally that thing of when you have an in-joke with someone in a public space. Mm. Like, other people are going to look at you because they don't know why you find it funny.
0: Exactly. It didn't It didn't do anything for anyone, honestly. So Sid was relinquished of the title and was told to stay at home for several months. And for the rest of 2000, he never appeared in WCW. Maybe that was for the best,
2: honestly. For the best, for the best.
0: He would return around December Jan- uh, December 2000, January 20- 2001, eventually gunning but once more for Scott Steiner's WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Now, at the Sin pay-per-view, which was supposed to be a whole bunch of of pay-per-views that vince russo cropped up where it's going to be like it was going to be like the seven sins were going to be like these like like branching pay-per-view concepts that wcw were going to put on eventually i think they only did sin and greed i think was the only two they did during that um but during this one it was the main event um he would go sid would face off against scott steiner jeff jarrett and Road Warrior Animal in a four corners match for the ch- for the world heavyweight championship. Now, unfortunately, this was where he suffered his co- near career ending I- uh, injury. He was told earlier in the day by management that they felt Sid's move set was not dynamic enough. It was too hokey. It was too in in the broad and kind of in the box of what a big guy should do. And they told him to maybe you should do more high flying acrobatic stuff as well. They're telling this to a near 300 pound man who is six foot nine, by the way. Yes. And so rather than doing a top rope high spot, Sid decided to do maybe like a second rope, like big boot to Scott Steiner. We'll do that. It just, it, it pleases them in the back. It's nothing too serious or anything that wouldn't be out of the realms of, of, impossible for Sid to do. So during the match, they go to do the spot, Steiner's in his position, Sid's up on the second turn buckle, and he goes for the big boot. Unfortunately, because Sid is so freaking massive and huge, Sid lands awkwardly on his on his one on the on the weight of his one foot as he comes down. That basically his leg explodes, and he ends up severely fracturing the leg that he landed on. So from what I've heard, the prognosis was that he shattered and fractured and snapped his tibia and fibula, in in both in in breaking one of the bones clean, like through the skin. And well, I think most people who are wrestling fans have seen the horror of just that yeah. injury because it is unfortunately it is on youtube for everyone to see but sid's leg basically just what's the best way to say this without being too graphic basically it was at a 90 degree angle
1: this is why people that don't need to do high sports do not do high sports and why we should not push people to do it
0: yeah exactly exactly the match was stopped immediately considering that Sid's foot at this point was next to useless yes and apparently well was deemed too graphic that they that a lot of pay per view um, providers shut their feed off immediately and I'll be honest it is very graphic like it's seriously one of the most horrific injuries I think I've ever seen in professional wrestling It's
2: there, And that's saying something.
0: And you know what's the funniest part? WCW thought they could capitalize on it by showing the whole thing on Monday Nitro the next night.
1: Yeah.
2: Gotta love it. Wrestling. Wrestling. So
0: this put him out of action indefinitely. He did ponder wrestling, uh, like retiring for good, as he only had like a year left on his contract. Was thinking about going out to do kind of like um, potentially doing uh maybe softball, maybe if he recovered, maybe to having one more WrestleMania under his belt or something like that, and that's it, kind of like do it all of that. That would be kind of like be the retirement match. Would be the WrestleMania. Um, but of course the leg injury ended up becoming a bit more serious than he thought he would, than than he thought it would. He ended up having, as far as he's he's told in subsequent interviews, a 17-inch metal rod was placed in his leg during the the surgery and was forced to use a cane for several years afterwards. He would go on, of course, to sue WCW, uh, claiming that he was made to jump off the second rope against his objections. Mm -hmm. Um... I don't know if he ended up winning that case or if it was uh, or if it was kind of settled out of court couldn't find any information on that um, but he would end up after it was purchased by WCW was purchased by the WWF in March he would set out his turn of contract getting paid in the process like a lot of people did at that time in WC uh, with the WCW acquisition or wWF acquisition of WCW. So, Sid would kind of have a very kind of sporadic career after that. In 2002, he would end up uh, making appearances at the World Wrestling uh, All-Stars Australian promotion as the commissioner. He would end up making a few appearances in Juggalo Championship Wrestling. (laughs)
1: Hell oh, yeah! Basically ECW's spiritual successor.
0: Exactly. He would go on to have a couple of matches here with X-Pac, with Violent J, with Tracy Smothers. He would end up having... In 2011, he would end up having a match against Eddie Kingston. <laughs> Which I just find such a weird fact that he ended up having a match with Eddie Kingston. His last notable appearance was during the two uh 2012 um, episode of Raw. This was during the time in the lead up to the 1000 ep- episode of Raw. Where Heath Slater was kind of calling out legends during this time. And Psycho Sid came out and answered the call for one of these episodes. And completely decimated him in about, about 30 seconds. <laughs> and that would be Sid's... Very kind of like last major appearance in a company. He would only end up having his last match in 2017 in uh, Canada. For Great North Wrestling. And that would be his very last uh, wrestling match. And that is the career. The life of times. Of Sid, Vicious, Justice, Psycho, Stid. Now Reardon. How do you feel after listening to all of that?
2: Like I need a drink of hard whiskey.
0: (laughs) I told you it was going to be a bit weird and unbelievable,
2: didn't I? You've warned me and it's still... You know, it's funny. After three years of this podcast, I will say that that Sid's life and career is not is not the weirdest that we've heard. And probably not the weirdest that we will, like, Ever get is. to.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
2: But there is something like... I think it's kind of like the amount of weird coincidences that just stack on top with each other. Yeah. That kind of really make you think, like, hang, hang on a minute. That, like... Either you can is he's like in this weird middle ground between completely mundane career and absolutely batshit career yes, yes. like this I said
1: what... he exists in the phantom zone in the middle
2: he really really does
0: it's not like the venn diagram of wrestling normal career ba- normal career batshit insane and he's the one that joins in the middle <laughs> and in the middle is Sid vicious he
1: is the missing link. <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
0: He is... I can understand to a certain degree why Dan wanted to do this, but at the same time, Dan... I'm not getting those those that, those that hours of research I had to do it back.
1: <laughs> no, you're not. But you know what? Such is the way of these things.
0: And now, I only have half the brain that Sid does.
2: Guys, do and, we? Do,
1: do we reckon that is unintentionally an
2: all-timer promo line? yes unintentionally yeah yeah I, I would give it that
0: exactly how it is It's especially with how purple faced Sid is during that promo <laughs> making me look out to be like a jackass <laughs> no no, ah oh, Sid you, you didn't need that you didn't need help in that regard mate <laughs> <laughs> alright that is where we're going to wrap up our third anniversary special Woo! Yay! Three years, fellas. So happy with that. Like, it genuinely is so freaking cool. I Three mean, granted, we did we did a Gonzo drinks... batshit Insane episode, but we did yeah, it.
1: I said, instead of buying you guys drinks and food, I gave you
0: the gift of Sid. You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It's fun. I've enjoyed this. Three years, fellas. It's crazy. And I've... I really enjoyed every single freaking moment of it. From like the the episodes, the videos, the people we've interacted with, the people we've come to know through the community and stuff. Even like we go on and say, hell, this community, like the wrestling community can sometimes be the most like the the most barren of barren wastelands. But there are people in within this community that have been so freaking lovely and supportive of what we do. I think for myself, can't say the same for you t- for you two. I imagine it's probably the same, though. Thanks to everyone, really, who's been so supportive of, every- of everything we do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's been really freaking cool. <laughs> and to every single guest as well that we've had as well. That That's an extension of that as well. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much, everybody. Right. Next episode. We're going to be doing another live special as we're going to be doing a tier list a tier list of the greatest giants of professional wrestling. I am very excited about this because this is going to be another one very similar to Heroes of Wrestling where we're going to have a we're going to have an audience of peeps there. Instead, we're all going to be kind of raising our voices about why are we putting this giant wrestler over this giant wrestler? It's going to be insane. It's going to be a hell of a laugh. I'm looking so looking forward to it. and I'm so looking forward to the debate of, well, is Big Show or Andre better? When we all know the answer, of course, is Andre.
1: (laughs) Would anybody like a peanut? (laughs)
0: Oh, boy. Because one of them was in The Princess Bride. The other was on The Big Show Show. 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 (laughs) Show. (laughs) That's all coming up on next week's episode, though. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon. And it's so cool to say, three years and counting, we will always see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.